Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Halitech Hall Show. I am your host, Michael Halitech. My co-host, Aaron, can't be with us tonight, which is a shame because we have so much to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, the Bears kind of fell flat on their faces uh, collectively last night in L.A. Uh, but uh, uh, it's always good to have an excellent bench and we are blessed to have some great guests that uh, join us from time to time. And tonight is, is uh, there's no difference tonight. We are welcome to have with us once again, Zach Pearson. Zach, good evening, my friend. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a lot better than, than the Bears, I guess. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, I, uh, uh, I have to tell you, I have been living in isolation since uh, Friday my uh, my wife tested positive uh, so she's got the upstairs and I've got the downstairs at the house so I am quarantined and uh, I can't even go to work fortunately for me I had a three-day weekend at work Saturday Sunday and Monday so today was actually my only sick day of uh, of the day and uh, I went for a test uh, yesterday, took the test, uh, waiting to get my results back. And as long as I text, test negative, I can get my little tush, or I guess in my case, a big tush, <laughs> back to my real job. Zach, uh, it, was, uh, uh, it was a sad night for Bears fans last night, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, sad, disappointing, um, frustrating. Uh, you name it, man. Anything you know that you could think of that wasn't positive, um, pretty much happened. And I really can't think of any positives from that game. Maybe one or two, because the Bears just—they look like a complete mess. And I think them being on national television really, you know, it really helped magnify what the problems actually are um, right now, especially with this offense. Well, that's it. It's the offense, the offensive line issue. Uh, they've just continued to regress ever since week three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they got off to a solid start in those first couple of games where, you know, the offensive line was doing well and they were running the football. Uh, maybe the quarterback play could have been better with Mitch Trubisky outside of those, you know, comebacks in, in the second half. Um, but yeah, ever since then, they've just kind of, you know, taken a step backwards and then you lose James Daniels a couple of weeks ago and you're playing with, you know, inexperienced guards 
playing with another guard in Jermaine Effetti that's really struggled with penalties and, and doesn't look comfortable at left guard and then, or right guard and then, you know, or left guard, I'm sorry. And then, uh, yeah, you're just, it, it's just, it's a mess right now. Um, it, they're, they're ranked last in rushing after what? Seven games now, 84 yards a game. They're 25th in passing with 224 yards per game. They're 29th overall with just barely over 300, 308 yards per game of total offense. Uh, you know, it, and when you talk about line play, you know, Massey single-handedly made Leonard Floyd look like a perennial all-pro. Yeah, I mean, look at the, the Leonard Floyd had two sacks. Both came against Massey, and both were just right around Bobby Massey, and it was just very disappointing. Um, I, I kind of knew that was coming. I told a couple people, I said, this is going to be the game that Leonard Floyd, you know, goes off. And I had some people tell me, that, man, he's played so much better this year. Well, if you look at it, previous two games, he's or previous to this game, he's been essentially the same player. He entered the game with just two sacks. Now he's got four on the year, um, you know, and, and through the seven games, he's pretty much on pace for eight or nine sacks. Um, before this game, you know, he was only on, on pace for like six sacks, which is kind of um, what we see in the first couple years from him in Chicago. But yeah, he, he owned Bobby Massey and it wasn't even close. It, it was just right by him both times to get to the quarterback and it just hurt watching that. The offensive line is just brutal right now. It really is. Here's some hope for Bears fans. If you go back three weeks ago, um, San Francisco playing at home against the Miami Dolphins, it got destroyed by a Miami Dolphin team that all of a sudden then switched gears and switched their starting quarterback. But they beat the San Francisco 49ers 43-17. to And what did they do? They came back, and they've, they've now beaten the Rams and, and the Patriots in back-to-back weeks. Uh, and they, you know, went from 2-3 and three to 4-3. and three. So, even though they're – go figure. They're in last place in the NFC West. But all of a sudden, their running game got a little bit healthier – uh, and who knows what happened and or how it happened. But all of a sudden, if the 49ers can do it, why can't the Bears? Yeah, and the 49ers, I mean, they were hit with some big injuries earlier in the year. I mean, they lost their premier pass rusher um, in Bosa right away. I believe it was week one or two. Um, and then you look, Garoppolo missed a couple of games. Uh, the running attack has been, has been hurt. But, you know, they've been able to find a way to turn it around um, I, their offensive line, I think, is a little better than the Bears, though. The problem with the 49ers is they're playing in a really tough division. They're playing in the best division in football. I mean, that NFC West is probably going to get three playoff teams. They'll probably get two wild cards and then obviously the division winner. And that last place team, you know, could be seven and nine, eight and eight, hovering around, you know, that that final third wild card spot. It'd be pretty incredible to have three teams right there in the wild card race along with the division winner. I just, with the Bears, I mean, yeah, there's they're still, you know, we're seven games in. There's nine games left in the year. They just really, you know, they need to turn it around big time on offense. This defense is good enough to win you some games and good enough to keep you in pretty much every game. And I, I think we saw that last night. For as bad as the Bears played in that first half, 
They went into halftime. It was 10 to three. It was a seven point game. And then they got the stop coming out of the break and had a chance to essentially tie the game. If, if Nick Foles hits Darnell Mooney for the long touchdown. So, I mean, they kept it close. And, you know, even when they were down, you know, 24, 10, after getting the defensive score, they had a chance to go in and make it a one score game. I think the defense will keep it close the rest of the year. The, the problem and, and the key to success is going to be the offense. Right now, though, it, it's definitely trending downwards, and I'm just – I'm worried it won't get to the point, um, you know, where it needs to be of a top 20 offense where they can be considered a, a, a team that can maybe win a playoff game because right now I, I don't think they're going to win a playoff game. Oh, you never know. I guess you got to get to the show before you can just decide whether or not you're going to win. And, you know, they're, they're still, you know, in second place. Uh, in the NFC North, at least they're not in the NFC. Well, you know what? It might even be to their advantage if they were in the NFC East. The NFC <laughs> East has what? The the NFC East right now, the top team has two wins. Is that, yeah, is that I right? Think, uh, two or three. I think it's Philadelphia is the is the um, is the number one team in that division. Two four uh, two four and one. Yeah, two four and one and. You know, hey, if the Bears do get to the playoffs, they'd probably want a gun for that fifth seed because they'd be playing um, the, the third-seeded uh, uh, NFC East team. So, yeah, I mean, if they do get to the playoffs and they do get the NFC East, I mean, who knows what could happen? You know, you could be facing a 6-9-1 and one division winner. Go figure. Yeah, right? <laughs> it, it, it's just it, what a – what a crazy year 2020 is uh, is turning out to be from uh, start to finish. Um, you know, let's let's talk about a few things here. First, Nagy, I don't know if it was yesterday's presser or this morning's presser, um, but this was such an ironic statement. Um, Nagy said, and I quote, uh, "What we are doing that's not working, and let's not do that." And then what we are doing that is working, let's get back to more of that. That's a, that's a word-for-word quote coming from his presser. And so the question you have to ask is, what are they doing that's working? On offense, nothing is working. Yeah, not much. Not not much at all. And it's you know it's kind of one of those things we've heard Nagy say you know similar things. Well, we need to get Cole Komet more involved. We need to get the run game going. He said that over and over and over again, and it's kind of just like a broken record. It's like, yeah, you can say all that stuff right now, but, you know, you got to put the effort in, and it's going to ultimately be on you to get those results and make sure that, you know, they can find some stuff that works and they can continue going with, with what actually works, but they have to find that first. The Bears had a chance to tie the game late in the first half when, you know, Goff had a had a miserable throw. Gibson should have picked it off, but he inexplicably just batted the ball down. He picks that ball off, and he can literally walk into the end zone. Yeah, and I'm still kind of confused as to why he opted to bat the ball down rather than pick it off. I mean, he played it perfectly. It was legit thrown right to him. All he had to do is you know catch the ball, and like you said, he probably would have walked right in to, to tie the game. That's one of those ones where it's kind of like, uh, did he just make a split-second decision and, and it was the wrong one? I don't know. We didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game because that, that definitely would have been one of the questions I would have asked him. I just – it was confusing to see him just bat the ball down instead of catching it. And, 
you know, that could have been a big turning point in that game for them. It, it certainly would have. And then we we can't we would be remiss if we didn't talk about you know Nick Foles. He's terrible decision uh, to throw that that ball to was it Mooney in the corner of the end zone uh, that the defender made a good play, batted it in. It, instead of batting it out of bounds, he batted it back towards the field of play, and the, and the result was a, a you know an interception in the end zone. And you know instead of it being a tie game, that very next possession, Los Angeles takes it 80 yards downfield to score, and all of a sudden it's a 14-point game. Yeah, that was a big turning point. And Nick if Nick Foles cannot make that throw. I mean, he said he made a mistake. Um, in his press conference, in a throw he cannot make again. And he actually said the the first read, I believe, was Anthony Miller, and he had him open for about a second there, a split second. If he gets that ball out quick, he's got him open. I don't think it's a touchdown, but I do think it's either down at the one or it's very close to being a touchdown. But he can't make that throw. I mean, that's, that's tight coverage in the backcourt of the end zone. The odds of completing that pass, especially to a rookie receiver, you know, as good as Mooney has been, not very likely. Maybe if you have Jimmy Graham out there and uh, he's that route, maybe he catches it. It's just it's something you can't have. And you know, it was a big turning point. The Bears were coming down. That was arguably one of their best drives of the night until the interception. They're going more tempo. They're moving the ball, picking up big chunks of yards. And then you know it ends on an interception. It's kind of like okay, now the game's going the other way, and and the Rams are pretty much opening up here. And it's exactly what happened. You know, one thing that was very mysterious about that drive is you get down there and neither Komet, I don't think Komet nor Graham were on the field at the time because you, you I know that uh, uh, Robinson was in the middle of the field. He was open, but of course, with, with Foles rolling out to the left, he would have had to uh, contorted his, his body in a, in a difficult way even to find Robinson. So you li- literally have limited yourself to either the either Miller in, or or Mooney in the back of the end zone. Neither option was open. Let's throw the ball away and and you know that was second down. You still had a third yeah. down. Live to know, fight another down. You could live live to fight another play, and that's exactly what we didn't do. Um, you know in in. You know, it was just a. I think that one play just personified the entire game. You know, you you just it wasn't just it just wasn't good enough for 60 minutes. Yeah, and it's like they never really got into an offensive rhythm, and and when they did, you know, specifically on that drive, like I said, they were going up tempo a little more, uh, picking up big chunks of yards. You know, when they, when they would do that, something would happen. A penalty would kill them. Um, they would throw an interception or, or make a crucial mistake. They could just never get into any rhythm at all um, offensively. And you watched Los Angeles, and it was like they were in rhythm all game. They were going, you know, tempo, moving the football. They were really confusing the Bears' defense. When they get up the line of scrimmage really quick, kind of move some pieces around, set some motion. And the Bears' defense just wasn't ready for it. It was just too fast for them. So I look at it, you know, the the Rams' offense is essentially what a lot of us hoped the Bears' offense would be at this point. And I think Monday night's game showed us just how far back the Bears' offense really is uh, um, right now. I mean, there's been absolutely no development 
in, in year three under Matt Nagy, it's just been, you know, the same struggles we're seeing over and over again. And they, and they just can't establish any rhythm, can't get anything going. And I think a lot of, you know, there's blame to, to be tossed around to, to multiple places. I don't think it full, fully is on Matt Nagy, but he's got to find a way to get this offense running how he wants it to run and how he thinks it's going to run. Otherwise, I mean, they're just going to go nowhere. Olin Cruz, I think, uh, last night after the game said it best, uh, Olin said, we watch this offense now. We know it wasn't Mitch Trubisky. The frustration continues without him. How appropriate are those words? Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. I think, you know, when we saw Mitch Trubisky, you know, last season, I don't, this is me not defending Mitch Trubisky because he, he wasn't very good last season. I still go back and, and look at that tape and, even the Rams game last year, he misses a wide-open Anthony Miller. He, he missed throws he really should have made. This year, though, I thought he played a little better to, in, in that first game against Detroit. It took him, you know, until the second half to kind of get going. Against the Giants, he put together a, a good first half. I think he did enough where, you know, you could warrant maybe not benching him. I don't think he actually did anything bad to warrant the benching. I think it was just kind of one of those roll the die type things from Matt Nagy and hope it works out because we're seeing the same mistakes in this offense with Trubisky under Foles. I mean, the, the, the thing that Matt Nagy alluded to and attributed to replacing Trubisky was the, the key turnovers, the third downs, the struggles on third downs, the struggles in the red zone. Well, look at this offense right now. Nick Foles, two interceptions last night, one at a very key time that we've already talked about in the back of the end zone. Um, the third downs are four for 14. They've been brutal on third downs all year long, no matter what quarterback's in there. And the red zone efficiency is not good. They're 0 for 3 in terms of touchdowns in the red zone yesterday. And, that, and that's just not going to cut it. So, you know, uh, to an extent, Olin is right. I, I do think that, you know, Matt Nagy can't really use Mitch Trubisky as a scapegoat anymore. Do I think Mitch Trubisky, you know, is the answer and, and comes in and, and lights a spark on this team? Probably not, but do I think Nick Foles is the answer as well? No, I, I think the Bears are still stuck in this quarterback hell. And, and the crazy part is, is they've traded assets to get Trubisky and get Foles. More recently, trading that fourth-round pick to get Foles. It's just been, you know, two misses at a key position, and it, it's really hamstringing the Bears as well, too. When you when you look at the the hamstrung offense with the quarterback position, you know, another glaring issue obviously is the offensive line. And and um, you know today, you know, Twitter was all ablaze, blaming uh, Pace for ig literally ignoring the offensive line with no top tier talent taken in his tenure. Yeah, and you know it's tough because. You see a couple of these guys become available um, on the offensive line as free agents. And, you know, as of now, the Bears haven't signed anyone. Um, Quentin Spain is, is with the, is going to be likely with the Bengals, I believe. And they just haven't put the money into the offensive line that they probably needed to. I think Cody Whitehair and James Daniels are both, you know, good options. Those are your two best offensive linemen. 
Jermaine Effetti doesn't look like he's very comfortable right now at guard. I still think there's some time where, you know, you give him a couple more games, see, see if he can get more comfortable and play well. I don't think he's played, you know, really, really bad. He just hasn't been an upgrade at all. And then you look over and you look at the tackles, and, and they decide to stay with Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey. And Bobby Massey is what he is at, right now in his career. You're not going to get anything special out of him. You're just going to hope that he doesn't make the plays that cost you games and gives up sacks. And last night, I mean, he, he, he made plays that cost you, you know, sacks in the game. You look at Charles Leno, and he's just been brutal ever since that 2018 campaign where, you know, he was serviceable. He was a solid guard or a solid tackle, I'm sorry, and, and actually played pretty decent. Ever since then, it's just been downhill. So, yeah, I, I do get the frustrations of not investing the money into the offensive line, maybe in the offseason, um, maybe to the draft. I just don't think, I think, you know, looking at, mid-season acquisitions. I mean, outside of Quentin Spade, I mean, who else is really out there that's available that you know is going to be an immediate upgrade? Um, and to be honest, I mean, many of fans didn't really know who Quentin Spain was. And they see a guy who's released by, you know, Buffalo and a guy who started a bunch of games and think automatically he's going to help his team be, you know, take that next step. I, I don't think so, but I also, you know, think it might have been worth taking a risk bringing him in and see if you can plug them in. I just don't think we're going to make a move mid-season. Nothing has shown us at this point that Ryan Pace is going to go out and make a move mid-season to shore up his offensive line. I think they're just going to have to hope it fixes on the fly. I think that after uh, when when Whitehair went down with a, with an injury, uh, we didn't hear Mustafer's name mentioned by uh, by the. Uh, uh, Monday night uh, announcing crew, and that's a good thing, because uh, you know when you look at at a couple of weeks ago when Alex Bars came in when Daniels got hurt, the he got steamrolled on the very first play, uh, but you know he played better after that. But um, when when you take a look at at Nick Foles dropping back to pass and the only thing that he sees in front of him is a team picture of the Rams, you got a problem. Yeah, and that's, you know, another thing, too. I mean, we, we can blame the play calling on Matt Nagy. We can blame maybe the scheme doesn't work as well. But, man, I mean, their offense isn't going to be good unless this offensive line gets better. I don't care who is back there at quarterback. They're going to struggle. Maybe, you know, Patrick Mahomes, um, players like that are an exception. Aaron Rodgers probably an exception. But it, it, it's, you know, you use the example when Nick Foles is dropping back. I mean, he can't, he's got to be able to set his feet and throw and deliver an accurate ball. He can't. The pressure's right there on him right away because the offensive line's breaking down. And uh, go back and look at last night's game. I think this is a great example here. The Rams and defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, former Bears coach, uh, linebackers coach, threw a lot of disguised blitzes and a lot of exotic looks at that Bears offensive line. They could not pick it up one bit. The play where they're backed up inside like their own two or three yard line, however deep they were in Foles, Mrs. Mooney. Watch that play because they'll line up the guys um, over the right side of the line and act like they're going to that side. The Bears kind of shift. They actually had three guys accounting for Aaron Donald on that play and the rest of the Rams blitz 
and pressure came from the other side, the left side of the line of scrimmage, and no one picked it up. There was It was pretty much a four-on-two. They were going to have two free rushers. Foles didn't have any time to set his feet. He had to let it go. And if he sets his feet, that's an easy touchdown. But because he couldn't set his feet and he had to let it go early, otherwise it's going to be a safety or he was going to get drilled, you know, it's an incomplete pass and a missed opportunity. And and look at the run game too. They're not there's they're not blocking inside. I mean, I, I don't like running at Aaron Donald. I thought that was a, a bad mistake, and the Bears just did it way too many times last night. I think they should have mixed in some outside zone. But I mean, even when they're handing the ball off, there's no push. The offensive line's essentially just going backwards. They're not pushing anyone forward. It, it, it's a mess right now. It is a complete mess. There was one play in, I think it was down near, you know, when we were in scoring position and uh, there was a, a run play called, and I, I don't know if it was, was Donald or it was the defender or not, but you had Leno and um, Coward looking like they were going to double team and neither one of them touched him. He went right through the both of them. And when somebody remarked on, on uh, Twitter that the, the bears treated him like he, he had COVID. <laughs> they just want, they just, uh, I mean, li- they literally went, one went to the right, one went to the left and, and, and our, he went right, right through him and, you know, right to where, uh, you know, the, the running back was, it was an absolutely a most miserable display of, of blocking or I guess a great display of not blocking that I've, I've ever seen. And, you know, we, we used to, we used to poke fun and um, you know, in, in our previous uh, podcasts, uh, you know, the bears offensive line on running plays uh, averaged almost 10 missed blocks per game the entire year last year, they were better in the first three games. And all of a sudden, it all went to hell. You know, you, you can't tell me that these guys are playing injured. They, none of them have been on the injury report uh, all year long that I can recall or anything major, uh, except for Daniels when he went out and, you know, he went out and was immediately put on IR because of his torn pec. So it's not a health issue. It, it wasn't a scheme issue four weeks ago. So what the hell has happened between game three and game seven? I, I just don't get it. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and you know, I think you can look at some of the the, the, the first three weeks of defenses weren't very good. Um, I, the Lions have a, a decent, you know, a couple pass rushers on them. Um, uh, the Falcons have a couple of good pass rushers. But you can't really blame it on all of that, you know, facing good defenses because you're right. I mean, they've looked really bad like they've they've taken a dramatic fall uh as probably one of the worst three units in the league i think you know cincinnati has probably a worse unit i think philadelphia is right up there as one of the worst offensive lines as well i I don't know exactly what's happened i i think you know not having a solid um fit for for or filling for james daniels is hurting because to me, in my opinion, watching Rashad Coward, watching Alex Bars, I don't think either of them are good enough to be a serviceable backup and a serviceable replacement. And that's all you really need. If the Bears had just a guy that's serviceable and, and can, you know, not be 
terrible in filling in for Daniels. This offensive line would look a little better. But then, you know, you look at the tackles and it's like, all right, well, when's it time to maybe try Jason Spriggs on one of the, uh, at one of the tackle positions? Maybe we make a move there. Maybe we try to get something up or get something, you know, going. And I keep going back to last year, the run game struggled. The offensive line was poor. And what did Matt Nagy do at the end of the season? He fired Harry Heastan. He fired Mike Hel- Mark Helfrich. And I, I don't think Mark Helfrich was really suited out to be an NFL offensive coordinator. He was kind of there just being on mind. Harry Heastan essentially was the fall guy for the offensive line and the, and the running game struggles. And all offseason, we were told Juan Castillo is going to fix this. Juan Castillo is going to make this offensive line a lot better. Juan Castillo is a good coach. He's a hell of a coach. He's a great guy to talk to. However, you know, I haven't seen any production or any improvement at all from their their offensive line last season. And for me, you know, we can talk Matt Nagy. We can talk Nick Nick Foles. We can talk Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, we could talk Ryan Pace. Until you get that offensive line fixed, you're not going to be a legit contender because you're not going to have a run game and you're not going to have an offense that flows how you want it to flow. And what Matt Nagy's offense is designed to do is to go tempo, get the ball out quick to its receivers. Um, he schemes guys open, but there's just no time for the quarterback to throw. They really, really have to fix that offensive line. But, I mean, if you were to ask me the best and easiest solution, I'd probably sit here for a week before I could even come up with, with anything and how to fix this. You know, we can sit here all night long and talk about different line combinations. You know, you can, you know, you can you move Rashard Coward to right tackle? He's he's actually listed second string on the depth chart behind Bobby Massey. So you put I, him I think there. He'd actually, I think he'd actually fit better at tackle than guard. Uh, move, you know, like I talked about earlier, Mustafer didn't disappoint um, you know, after Whitehair went down, I don't even know what Whitehair's problem was. It didn't sound like it was too serious, according to Nagy, and he might be ready to play. But do you put Mustaver at center and put Whitehair at left guard and, and, and you know, get Coward over to, to tackle and then put Spriggs in on, at left tackle? The, what else can they do? The only other, the only other guy on the depth chart uh, is Arlington Hambright, and he's been inactive every single game so far this year. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go the route of the rookies. Um, I don't even think they'd go the route of Mustafer and move Whitehair. I think they'd want to keep Whitehair at center just because, I mean, it's more of a natural fit for him right now. It do, you're right. It doesn't sound like that, that um, injury is too serious. I, I think Whitehair will be able to go, but I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to you know, be able to, to shift something on that offensive line and, and roll the dice and gamble, or are they just going to hope, Hey, we got to roll with this for this season. Um, let's see if we can improve. Let's see if we can coach them up a little better. And then next, um, you know, off season, put a big focus onto offensive line. Yeah. When you, you know, we just rattled through the, the depth chart. Uh, they only have two offensive linemen on the practice squad. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, three, three. They, yeah. They, there's they, not much there. You know, the only, and the only other guy, the only guy I really know on the practice squad was one of their seventh round draft choices, uh, Latavius uh, uh, Simmons out of Tennessee State. Uh, you know, Richard Dent's uh, former alma mater. So, that, so you know, the, the cupboard's bare, man. 
Yeah, and you're not going to you know rely on Simmons or Hambright to come in and make an impact. Those guys were seventh round picks as, as developmental guys. They they those guys get in and when the season matters. And you're you're pretty much in trouble. I mean, if the Bears are out of it at the end of the year, and and you know you want to test those guys out, all right. But I mean, they're, yeah, they're not here to, um, to 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 be an impact. They're just here right now as developmental guys. So, like you said, man, the cupboard is pretty bare. There, there's not many options to go to. I would look at. I think if they do make an option or they do make a switch and try to figure something out. I think you're going to see Jason Spriggs maybe get a shot and maybe, you know, stick him on the tackle or one of the tackle spots and see if you can do something with him there. But man, it's just, it's like almost depressing to talk about the offensive line these days because they're just, you know, they're so just bad. And I think it's really costing this team. Speaking of bad um, on the, on the uh, game, Last night, Brian Greasy, uh, I don't know if he was not supposed to talk about this. Was Did Foles maybe tell him this should have been off the record? Uh, but, you know, a comment was made about how Foles, uh, when he gets a play in from Nagy uh, in the huddle, he knows whether or not that play is even going to work because he doesn't have any time in the pocket. Uh, pretty damning about his offensive line. I, I, and what was worse was when uh, he talked about it in the press conference, he really didn't do anything to deny the fact that he said it. He tried to dance around it, yeah. but he, he really, he really, he said, he, he said what he said, you know, and, and that's, I think the biggest shame of all. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's just a case of, you know, Brian Greasy probably wasn't supposed to share that. That was probably told to him by Nick Foles in confidence. And it's almost kind of shame on Brian Greasy because he should know. I mean, he served as a quarterback for numerous years, was in the role you know, that Nick Foles was as a backup and as a starter. He knows what goes on in, in, in those meeting rooms. And, and he kind of should know, you know, hey, I, I really shouldn't be saying this on national television now, you're right. Foles did try to brush it off and, oh, you know, not what I meant. Um, there was miscommunication. But, I mean, that was a pretty damning quote there from Brian Greasy and one that makes me wonder, you know, it, it sounds like Nick Foles said it. And is Nick Foles kind of becoming a, a problem? And you remember that Tampa Bay game? He said something, um, you know, about the exchange he had with Matt Nagy on the sideline. And now this is is this going to be, you know, a problem for Nick Foles moving forward? Will we see more of this? Is there a disconnect with Matt Nagy? Because right now, I mean, everything we told about this whole offseason was there's there's a great relationship between Matt Nagy and Nick Foles. After these two incidents, I mean, how confident can we say there's a great relationship? It's a great question, man, I, and I don't have an answer for it. And you know, and I'm way on the outside looking in. You know, you know, you you are blessed to be able to do this for a living, as well as you know other friends of of our show. Um, and you guys don't know, so it's yeah. just it's you know it's crazy, crazy times. Um, you know, Nick Foles. You know, he, you know he he's passionate. I'll give him that. He's, he's passionate about what he does. He's passionate about how he does it. 
Uh, he wants desperately for this team to succeed. Uh, he's got the tools around him in terms of, of people that can run the ball and keep people that can catch the ball. Um, but you, you can't use the weapons if, uh, if the engine's not running, you know, and, and that's what the front, the, the front five is. That's the engine to let the rest of the, the unit do its thing. Yeah. And, you know, it is tough because we really don't know. And especially with this COVID year, you know, it's hard to get any really good insight when you're not, you know, you you could, you obviously get zoom access, but it's, it's so much more access and insight when you're there talking to players one-on-one. And, you know, I will say this, I, I see a lot on Twitter and it, it's, you know, I understand the fans' frustrations where, oh, the media isn't pushing Nick Full or isn't pushing Matt Nagy for the answers and this and this. We try, man. I mean, you're going to get what you're going to get from Matt Nagy. He's not going to tell you anything that he thinks even is 1% of a competitive advantage to his opposing team for that week. I mean, how many times, I mean, I'm sure plenty, plenty of our listeners here, Hey, listen to those press conferences. How many times has Matt Nagy really given, you know, the answer of, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just not going to discuss or, hey, I have to go look at the tape, blah, all that stuff. I mean, that's why if if you if people think that we're not pushing him, we're pushing him. We just know now he's not going to give the answer. I mean, he's going to deflect the answer as much as he can. Um, he does open up about a little bit, but. It's just it's not as much as I think I'd like it, and it's not as much as the fans would like it. So I definitely understand yeah. the frustrations, but it's 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 tough when the guy doesn't give us much to go with. You know, and it's interesting you said that because his first year as head coach, he was far more open in his oh, pressers. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, oh. and then then last year we had the struggles, and now this year, um, the his his offense continues to struggle. Uh, and now we get to see that coach speak that quite frankly, that's all we heard of from, from Fox uh, before, before Nagy took over. Nagy was very open and very accommodating to the press in his first year. Oh yeah. It's a big difference. And, you know, go back, I believe it was one of the first, the first week, one of the first um, press conferences leading up into the week one game. And he, he flat out said, I'm not going to give you any energy news, not going to say anything. Um, and it's just like, okay, if you think that gives you an advantage, so be it. I don't really see where the advantage is without, you know, I mean, I'm, we're not asking, Hey, is the guy going to play Sunday or not? But he just, he doesn't give you anything. And, it's it's odd because, like you said, man, you heard that first year they were winning, everything was going good, and and there was open talks and stuff like that. Now it's like we're lucky if we barely get any juicy information anymore. <laughs> Which is a yeah. shit, you know? Yeah, it's it's amazing um, the the lack of anything tangible coming from his press conferences like there were two years ago. Yeah, and maybe that just comes with the territory of, hey, we're winning, I want to be a more open book, or, hey, we're losing, I'm going to be more of a closed book. But it's definitely noticeable, and I, and I think if you listen to these post-game press, press conferences and you listen, you know, the weekly press conferences, you can tell it's a different tone and it's kind of a different mood from him. You know, it was interesting when, when Mitch started the year at quarterback, um, you know, he sounded completely different this year 
when he when he was in his pressers, he sounded a lot more definitive, a lot more confident. Um, but then, you know, the struggles happened and he had, you know, we all knew he was going to have a short leash, but I don't think, uh, uh, I don't think any of us expected it to be as short as it was. Yeah, I certainly didn't. I thought he'd get a couple more games, maybe, um, at least week five or week four. Um, you, you could have kind of pointed to that Tampa Bay game where a likely switch because of the, how the extra week to prepare for Nick Foles, but I mean, that didn't happen. They, they moved, they made the switch to Nick Foles on a shorter leash than we thought. And now, I, to be honest, I think they're going to stick with Nick Foles until, you know, unless there's a, unless there's a severe injury or Foles, you know, is historically bad. And, and Nagy feels like, well, let's see if I can put in a spark with Mitch. Yeah, I can't ever see Foles being historically bad, though. Uh, you know, he, 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 in, I think some, I can't remember if it was, um, was it laser uh, was asked the question yesterday about um, Foles being a quote unquote streaky kind of a QB. And, and, you know, he, he really couldn't answer the question. He said, you know, I don't, I don't ever recall him being streaky, but you know, if he does have a you know, period where he has six or seven completions in a row and then he misses three or four in the course of a game. Uh, it just is what it is, but I don't, I wouldn't really categorize Foles as being a streaky kind of a player. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, he's gonna, you, you know what Nick Foles is right now. You, you know what he's going to give you. I agree. I don't think he's going to be historically bad streaky. I think he'll go, you know, he'll have his moments where he's, he's hot and, he, and he's, he's completing passes He'll have some moments where he's, you know, incomplete passes and really struggling. We saw him in the Tampa Bay game. But historically bad, you know, throw a couple of interceptions a game, no touchdowns, and the offense, you know, looking like it did against the Rams, it would take, you know, it would need to be, you know, three to four of those in a row before Matt Nagy would make a switch. I think you're right. Uh, the Bears' next opponent is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and this is a New Orleans Saints team that is not – the same New Orleans Saints team as it has been over the last seven years. They're four and two. They barely squeaked by at home against Carolina last week. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be an interesting game because the Saints have, you know, over the last couple of years have been notoriously a good road team. Um, we know what they can do in the dome, but they, they've been solid on the road. And we saw them come in last year to Soldier Field, uh, what was it, week six, right after the Bears' bye. I mean, and they did it with Teddy Bridgewater. They, that score was closer than the game actually was. But, I mean, they pretty much put, you know, beat the Bears' ass at home um, at Soldier Field. And, you know, that was one of those games for the Bears where it was a turning point on the year. They, they had a losing streak going. They couldn't get out of the hole. And eventually pretty much cost them a playoff spot because they, they lose to the Chargers later on. And, kind of struggle in a couple more games. This will be an interesting game because I, you know, this is the bears are in a tough four game stretch right now. You, you lost against the Rams. You have the saints this week, next week, you're going on the road and, and facing Derrick Henry in the, in the Tennessee Titans, a team who only has one loss in the year. And that was to the only on uh, only unbeaten team um, left in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you have a game, kind of a look ahead game against the Minnesota Vikings, a team you should take care of at home. So, this is going to be a key one for the Bears. They're going to have to come out and play a lot better. The Saints aren't 
you know, the Saints that we've known for the past three to four years, the high-flying offense and, and, and really good defense, they're vulnerable in that secondary uh, so far this year. And, and Drew Brees, I mean, he's still Drew Brees, but it's not like he's going to go up and down on the field and throw for 400 or 500 yards on every game. He's going to make some mistakes, and, you know, you're going to have to focus in on stopping that run game, getting pressure on Brees, and attacking that Saints defense to the secondary. This is going to be a big one for the Bears. If they lose this game, it could go down. It could This season could tumble in a hurry here because I don't like that matchup against the Titans at all. I don't know how they're going to stop Derrick Henry. Um, and if you lose this game, you're looking at a three-game losing streak potentially. Uh, right before your bye week, you, you know, got the Vikings. So you look at maybe a, a one-in-three stretch in those four games, and then the schedule gets even a little more tougher um, with two more games against Green Bay. Uh, you have the Lions one more time who, who played you tough. So this is going to be a key one for the Bears. They're going to really have to bring their A game on Sunday. I think you're right. Uh, like I said, the Saints are they're four and two. They're they're in second place in the South behind Tampa. Uh, Breeze actually his he's I I, I want to say he's not the Breeze of old, but but then again, he hasn't been you know gunning the ball down the field at all the last three or four years. He throws high percentage passes. He's only thrown three interceptions on the year. He only has 11 touchdown passes, which, you know, seven or well, six games for on their schedule because they've already had their bye. Um, isn't isn't a tremendous amount of touchdowns. That's less than I think that equates out to less than 30 on the year. Uh, and they're only passing for 276 yards a game. Um, their their rushing game has been decent, but it's only 118 yards a game. And, you know, when you take a look at last week's game, they literally were gifted that game by Carolina because Carolina on their last drive, um, you know, Bridgewater unexplicably took a sack uh, for an eight-yard loss um, after a one-yard loss on a pass play. Uh, And that set up what would have been a record-breaking 65-yard field goal attempt, and it literally fell about a foot and a half short. So you you take those nine yards back, and it's a tie game going into overtime. Yeah, and, you know, the Saints, like I said, they're vulnerable. They are a team that, you know, the Bears should be able to put up some points up, but with this offense, I mean, are they going to be able to put up points? So. Yeah, I don't think the Saints, like you said, are, are the team of the past where, you know, you look in like, man, this, this is a tough game. This, this is a team that looks like they're an NFC contender. Right now, the Saints are right there in the wild card mix, second in the NFC um, South. So this is another opportunity for you to to get a game, get a tiebreaker game on a potential wild card team, pick up a conference win, um, and just get back on track, build some more momentum. And, hey, you know, maybe they beat the Saints and they continue to roll and somehow find a way to beat the Titans. That that would be ideal going into your body with a matchup against the Vikings. So, yeah, I, I think the Bears will have their chances. I think this will be a close game. Their defense is good enough to keep them close. Can the offense put up points, though? Can Nick Foles lead them to scoring drives? Can they convert on third downs, be efficient in the red zone? It's going to feel like the same old storyline week, week in and week out now until the end of the year. The, the Bears have allowed 12 touchdowns all season long on defense. Which Six is, rushing 
Six incredible. Passing. Absolutely incredible. And and the first uh, passing over 10 yards, per first passing touchdown over 10 yards allowed happened last night, which is crazy stat there. That's crazy good. On the other hand, the Saints defense, uh, they've allowed 17 touchdowns through the air, an additional five running. So they've they've allowed tw- 10 more in playing one fewer games. They've allowed 10 more touchdowns than the Bears defense. They're going to give you some chances there. And, you know, their secondary, even with Marshawn Lattimore, is still – a little suspect. Um, their linebackers are okay. They're not. They're not great in their defensive line. Obviously, you know, going into the season, you know about Cameron Jordan. However, you know they're going to have the Bears are going to have some chances to move the football, and they're going to have some chances to get down in the red zone. Are they going to be able to take advantage of that? Because if you go down and you look at the red zone on Monday night, um, they set up for a field goal on their first attempt. They threw an interception on their second. They stalled um, turnover on downs on their third. They weren't efficient down in the red zone, and and they should be able to get down there against the Saints. But can they turn those, you know, maybe field goals into touchdowns or those stalled drives into touchdowns? That might be the biggest key. And if Nick Foles can't get going this week with that passing attack against the secondary, I'd say it's probably a little time to, to worry because the Bears should take advantage of a poorer Saints secondary. Yeah, the Saints have averaged 30 points per game allowed in their six games. Man, yeah, and the Bears are what? They're at 19 points per game or 20 points, if that, 17 maybe? Something. So I, I don't have it in front of me because uh, I was concentrating more on um, what we should be able to do against the, the Saints. Um, but, yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, the Bears the Bears offense, uh, 12 touchdowns passing they actually have more touchdowns passing on offense than the Saints do, 12 to 11. Wow, that's actually a little shocking for as bad as the Bears' offense has been. And I look at right here, points per game, 19.7 for the Bears' offense. That's 27th in the NFL. Yikes. Yeah, it's crazy. So they, they, need to, they need to eat. They need to get fat yeah. on New Orleans this week. Run the ball. Get your run game going. Offensive line's got to play a lot better. You know, I, and I talked about this. Uh, I, I do a, a live pregame show on, on YouTube called the Barely Pregame Show, and we talked about this um, yesterday. Um, I think the Bears need to use the pass to set up the run, not the other way around. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because, you know, obviously it is the other way around for most teams. You know, you, you kind of want to set up the run, to, to get to the pass uh, this week, you know, and maybe, maybe they should try, maybe they should try to open up the game a little more um, with that passing attack. If you watch the Rams game, the bears couldn't run the football at all. So what did the Rams start doing? They knew the pass was coming. They pinned their ears back. And, and it, obviously it's easier to do when you have a player uh, of the caliber of Aaron Donald, because you know, he's pretty much going to get your pressure on almost every play, which is insane. So you can actually send those extra guys if needed. Well, that's what the Rams were doing. They were just pinning their ears back and saying, hey, you can't run on us. You have to throw. We're going to come after you. And if you beat us to the air, all right, that's good 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 on you. But the Bears couldn't do it. So, you know, I'd like to see some adjustments. How about maybe, you know, some short passes, get the ball out quick, um, hit some out routes, some slants, 
and then kind of go hit the, the run the, game. Use the middle of the field. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that. They haven't done that all year long. I think Darnell Mooney caught his first pass between the numbers last night. I don't think he's he's caught any ball outside uh, or in he, between the hash marks at all, except for maybe the one from last night. Yeah, he, you yeah. just and he's the perfect guy. The the guy with speed that can that can cut through the middle of the field. Um, you know, do him on a crossing pattern, him over the meal, the middle, and let him let him take off down the sideline. You know, we see that work on every team that's got a decent passing attack. Bears can't do it. Yeah, and you know they just, for whatever reason, they don't attack that middle. And you watch, look, look at Tom Brady a couple weeks ago. How did they open the game? They attacked the middle. They hit slants. Aaron Rodgers is going to do that to you every single game. He's, they're going to slant you to death. They're going to go over the middle. Um, the Rams did it to open up the game last night. They went over the middle. They were quick outs. They were getting the ball out of Jared Goff's hands. And it's almost as like, is Matt Nagy watching? Maybe he needs to watch it and, and try this on offense. Try to get the ball out quick. Limit the pressure. You know, uh, Keep the defense honest. You cannot become one-dimensional. And they're just becoming one-dimensional way too many times so far this year. One of the things that really impresses me the most about the Bears' defense is they have still played at a top-tier level despite the fact that the Bears haven't been able to make the other team's offense become one-dimensional because it's either they're, they're behind uh, okay, so the Bears are the ones that are one-dimensional, and when you're playing with the lead, you can you can be uh, as balanced as you want to be and be unpredictable. You can't if you're behind constantly, like the Bears have been, and that's exactly what the Bears did. Uh, you know what the Rams did to the Bears. They knew you're to just. I mean, I'm stealing your line. They knew that that the Bears couldn't run the ball, so they just. You know, pin their their they pin their ears back. They're like a bunch of mad dogs out there going after Foles, and you know he's getting the hell kicked out of him. Yeah, and you know they just they just kept coming. The Bears were just too one-dimensional, and it, it really hurt them. It it just it's it's like it happens way too much this year for them not to be able to establish the run and the defense is being able to focus on the pass, it kills your offense. And they can sit in zone. And they can say, all right, throw the ball on us. Let's see what you got. And even if the Bears complete one or two, three in a row, they're still going to sit in zone or still come with the blitz because you can't run the ball and keep them honest. The Bears running game since week three. You know, weeks four through seven, the Bears running game has been absolutely non-existent. Yeah, and after you know the first three weeks, Believe it or not, first couple games, I mean, they're averaging 133 on the ground going in. I believe going into that week three matchup, and uh, since then they've just been they've been poor. And on the season now, even after that good start, the first two games or so, um, you know, they're only averaging 84.1 rushing yards per game, which is 32nd in the league um, after last night. Absolutely terrible. So take out those first two weeks and what's their average? You know, oh, God. 50, I don't want, you know, I don't even want to do it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to do it either. Um, you know, the, the bears uh, will play the saints um, at soldier field on Sunday. 
the Bears have played the Saints uh, 31 times. Um, they they lead the series. New Orleans leads the series 16 to 15. Um, the Bears have played them twice in the playoffs, winning both games. So during the regular season, this will be their 30th matchup, and uh, the Bears trail the Saints 13 to 16 in, in those games, and, and that includes. Um, you know, the, the Bears have lost the last five games to the Saints, uh, 30 to 13, 26 to 18, 31 to 15, 20 to 12, and 36 to 25. So they've been they've been averaging over 30 points a game against the Bears, and that uh, that takes us all the way back to uh, just 2011. You know, in, in one of those games, the 20 to 12 game. I think you will all remember that was the Zach Miller game where he had the touchdown taken away from him and then almost lost his leg on that brutal injury in the end zone on what should have been a touchdown pass. Yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky started that game too in the Dome. I I don't remember what week that was, but I know it was under John Fox. Um, Yeah, it was was October 29th of 2017. Yeah, and I believe the Bears' offense wasn't that bad in that game, I want to say. I, I thought they were moving a little pretty decent for, you know, having Trubisky making, what was it, his probably his second or third start um, by then, because week four, week five was his first start. So, yeah, it would have been like a second or third start. So Yeah, it, was, it would have been his fourth start, because I, I think, uh, yeah, they, the Bears played, uh, uh, this was their eighth game on the schedule. Uh, oh, yeah, fourth start then. So what? Let's see what Trubisky did. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was um, he, he had a, he was only 14 out of 32 for 164 yards with with one touchdown that got called back and one interception with a quarterback rating of 46.9. Ah, worse than I thought that. So, so um, uh, you know, Jordan Howard uh, ran for 100 yards on 20, 102 yards on 23 carries. So. He was uh, he was definitely uh, the player of the game. Uh, the leading receiver for the Bears uh, was uh, Trey McBride. I don't even remember him. Oh man, he yeah, had ni- 90, 92 yards on only three receptions. He was targeted five times. He had a long of, you know, he had a forty-five yard pass play. Uh, so he ended up with, with almost with 50, what, 57 yards on his other two. So, you know, they, those weren't, uh, you were talking about chunk plays. Uh, those were some, some chunk plays right there. Uh, you know, 92 yards on three receptions for Trey McBride. Um, you know, this is, uh, you know, Kendall Wright still played for the bears back then. Uh, he was targeted. Uh, let's see if he played. Uh, no. T- Tanner Gentry. Tanner Gentry, yeah. No, no receptions on one target. <laughs> oh, and, yeah, and, that receiving core was brutal. And and Zach Miller was held off this sheet as well. He's targeted twice. He had he had one reception that was subsequently ruled an incomplete pass uh, on the play that ended his career. Um, and of course, Adam Shaheen was still there. He was he was uh, targeted one time, but didn't have any uh, receptions at all. 
Uh, Drew Brees was 23 out of 28 for 299 yards. Uh, no two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked twice, but he had a quarterback rating of 111.2. So that was uh, the last time they played in New Orleans back in 2017. So the Bears have their, their work cut out for them, no doubt. But again, like what should have been this past Monday, yesterday, this that, that, that was a winnable game. That was a winnable game. The, you know, the, the Rams kind of got embarrassed by the 49ers, who the week before got embarrassed by Miami. So let's hope the trend continues. And the Bears got embarrassed yesterday, so hopefully they'll have a bounce-back game on Sunday. Yeah, they're going to need it. And Like I said, you're in this tough four-game stretch. you got to have a bounce-back here. you got to find a way to win at home and take care of another NFC opponent. Otherwise, I mean, it, it could just spiral from here. You you have to build some confidence and, you know, get the win first off and then worry about having the offense look good. Do what you can to find a win and, and, and then worry about the offense looking good and turning that corner. But it would be a heck of a start here if you can get a win here um, against the Saints and, and put up some offensive numbers. I think it would do a lot to boost their confidence. Yeah, this is, a, you know, they they stacked wins earlier in the year. Uh, you know, they, they won three, lost one. They they won two. They lost one. Uh, so it's time to get another, you know, stack a couple of wins together here be, before you hit the bye week. Uh, so you've got, uh, you've got New Orleans. Um, and unfortunately, it's a 325 game. So they're not hidden from the rest of the country like they would have if they would have played at noon. Um, they have a noon contest against the Titans on, on November 8th. Uh, then uh, they play Minnesota week 10, uh, which is another Monday night game, but it's at home. And, you know, literally over the past several years, the bears have actually played pretty well in primetime at home. Yeah. you know, they have, and going back to even a couple of weeks ago against the Buccaneers, you know, wipe out that Packers game last year. Um, and they've been pretty solid. They beat the Cowboys pretty good at the end of the year last year as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, the, the Vikings game will be an interesting one because I think the Bears are obviously the better team, and I think Minnesota could be selling off a couple more pieces. But it's a division game. You can't overlook them. I mean, they could come in and stun you, and that's where, you know, going into the bye week, you know, a big difference in trending upwards rather than trending downwards. That could be a big turning point here. Yeah, so... If the Bears can possibly win two out of these next three games, that puts them at seventh and three at the bye week. So you've got, after that, you've got a Sunday night game in, in Green Bay uh, on the 29th of, of November. And that, that game is pretty much going to determine, I think, by this time already, that that game will determine the winner of the NFC North if the Bears can indeed uh, be seven and three after before the bye, uh, and then you've got Detroit at home, and you know the Bears have you know, that's one team that that Nagy has dominated since he's been the head coach. They uh, are what they're 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 five and zero oh against Detroit. Um, they then they have to play Houston, but that's a home game. That's a winnable game, considering what uh, what has happened to the Houston here. 
Then they go to Minnesota, which is a noon game on Sunday, uh, the 20th. So it's the, the Sunday before Christmas. Uh, and then they played Jacksonville in Jacksonville, another winnable game. So, and that, that sets up January 3rd Packers in Chicago. Hopefully there'll be fans allowed at that game. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, I don't know if we're trending that way though. I think they're closing everything here in the city. Well, fortunately, uh, um, well, I live in Wisconsin and all of a sudden Wisconsin has just exploded in, in fact, uh, my wife is, is COVID positive. Oh, no. uh, she, she tested positive um, on Friday, got the results on Saturday. So um, I have been isolated in my basement uh, since Saturday morning. But at least I have a hell of a basement to be, to be secluded in. <laughs> uh, I wish you could, <laughs> Zach, I wish you could see my, uh, my man cave. It's, it's half bears and 25% Cubs and 25% Blackhawks with a big 65-inch uh, screen in the middle of the room on this 25-foot wall I've got. It's perfect. So, so it's it's absolutely perfect. I've got an I've got an air fryer and a Keurig machine on a countertop uh, just out uh, just off the room, uh, and I got a bar to my right. So with a little refrigerator. So uh, and I have a bathroom. So the only thing I really need to do is uh, if, if I want to you know, go outside, I go straight up the, uh, up the stairs uh, to the, the garage door, and I'm out the door. So, <laughs> so I've, I've been lucky. I did go get tested yesterday, um, but I don't have my results. But I have absolutely no symptoms. So knock on wood, um, I'm, uh, I'm still negative. Yeah, hopefully your state negative. You don't want to hear anyone getting uh, any more COVID, and hopefully your wife get does get better soon. Yeah, she well, she started to get better. She she's uh, got um, she was she had a terrible cold. It would just sound it looked like the cold, but she was tested and it came back positive. So uh, very congested, uh, coughing and sneezing, and um, but I don't think she's had she's had a fever. Um, so. Um, I've been blessed so far that I have not shown any symptoms and who knows, I might've been asymptomatic and gave it to her. And now I'm negative. Who knows? You just, you just never know. Oh, but by the way, uh, just ended, uh, congratulations to the LA Dodgers who just won the 2020 world series in, in uh, six games. Figures, uh, <laughs> figures that they actually finally win it in this type of season too, right? Yeah, you know what do they have? Like 800 fans in the in the audience or in in the, in the stands. Um, it was one to nothing for the longest time. Tampa, uh, their rookie, uh, whose name I can't even pronounce, um, hit a home run in, in the top of the first, and that held up. Their pitcher uh, was just pitch had one hit allowed. He had struck out the top three guys in the Dodgers lineup twice each. So they were 0 for, 0 for 6 with six strikeouts. Uh, the ninth place batter in, I think it was the sixth inning, um, with one out gets a single. They pull him, and they immediately score two runs to, to take the lead, and they ended up uh, winning 3-1. to one. Uh, which was a damn shame because the Tampa just 
the I can't I don't know who the, the name of the pitcher was, but he just pitched oh, his Snell, yeah. ass. Uh, yes, Blake Snell. Snell. He yeah, pitched they, his ass off tonight. I can't believe they took him out. That was crazy. Well, yeah, I think he took lessons from Joe Madden. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. Remember, if you remember game thing. game seven, you know, Hendricks gave up that one hit, and all of a sudden he got yanked. He'd only thrown like seventy-eight pitches, and before you know it, the game was 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 tied. When Lester came in and threw a wild pitch and scored two runs. Yeah, you know, it was. I remember that. So so it was uh, yeah, just uh, just as crazy, and uh, you know, this one of course, this one came back to bite Tampa because. Uh, you know, they ended up, uh, they, they did score one other run on a home run a couple innings later, but, uh, you know, they, they won on a walk-off called third strike. That was a good pitch. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bad, you know, bad call by the umpire, but, uh, you know, here we are talking about the bears and, and the Dodgers crept into it. So, <laughs> so congratulations, LA Dodgers for winning the 2020 world series. Zach, it's always a pleasure to have you on board. Uh, this concludes this week's uh, episode of Halitech Hall. Uh, we will have two weeks from tonight a surprise announcement on the Halitech Hall show. But uh, before I leave, I want to thank our sponsor, TickSplits.com. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you follow us on Twitter uh, because as soon as we get to 1,000 followers on our Twitter channel, uh, Ticksplits.com has provided us two tickets to the 2021 home game against the Packers. Uh, so get us to a thousand. Zach, we could use your help. Yeah, retweet for sure. A, retweet Everyone us go often. Huh? Everyone go out there and follow them. Please yeah, retweet do. us often, my friend. Will do. <laughs> All right. You, you have an amazing night. And uh, next time, the next time we have you on the show, it's going to actually be live on YouTube. How do you like that? Awesome. That'll be great. I'm looking forward to that. All right, my friend. With that, that's uh, tonight's episode. We'll see you next week uh, with our guest host uh, or our, our guest for the, for the day to go over the midpoint season, uh, the one and only Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron. I'm Michael Halitek. I want to thank my guest, Zach, for coming along. Zach, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K, underscore Pearson. Outstanding. And it's Bear Report, correct? Yep, just Bear for, Report for, on Twitter. Ju- just uh, just for those those listeners uh, who are a little naive on Bear's Twitter, because if, you, if you're if you a Bear's Twitter follower, if you're not following Zach, uh, you you just might as well just not go on Twitter at all, because uh, <laughs> I, I Zach gives us... Zach gives us some of the best content out there. So, Zach, always a pleasure to have you on our show. 